Okay, as Johnny said, um, I'm Sarah, and I am from CYM. Um, if you don't know my face, some of you probably do know my face, because I was with you a couple of weeks ago in the cold and the wet and the dump at Vauxhall Farm. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Sarah, and uh, my role at CYM is that I'm the Training and Development Coordinator, which means I run the Gap Year Programme and look after all the training and the support um, that CYM do for local youth workers and all the volunteer youth workers. Um, and I'm really pleased to be here tonight to speak to you all. Um, the word that came to me was compromise, um, and so and this message really just comes out from a heart where I've been searching actually about what compromise means, kind of in our lives and to God, and actually how God doesn't want compromise, and it's really based on the choices that we make. So to start with, I have a little activity for all of you. Um, it's a game of would you rather. Some of you may know this, some of you may not know this. Um, you will have two choices to make. And if you, would, if you want to choose the first one, you will need to stand up. If you want to choose the second one, you will stay seated. So we'll just have a little practice for this one. Okay, so would you rather be rich or be famous? So if you'd rather be rich, I've forgotten what I said now, stand up. And if you'd rather be famous, stay sitting. Oh, you can see all of you lot that are after the money. Okay, if you would rather give up food forever, stay standing, or if you'd rather give up TV for two years, then sit down. So, <laughs> some people feel they can survive <laughs> without food. You're happy to give up food forever. Oh my goodness, whoa. Impressive choice. <laughs> okay, would you? <laughs> okay, stand up if you would rather be ugly and have 10 good friends, or be attractive and one good friend. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a few people that are choosing attractive. <laughs> okay, stand up if you would rather be poked in the eye with a sharp stick, or sit down if you would prefer to have your hand nibbled by a cannibal. Everyone's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Would you rather be poked in the eye with a sharp stick or have your hand nibbled by a cannibal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I would have gone with a poke in the eye. <laughs> but, okay. Would you rather eat a bar of soap or drink a bottle of dishwasher liquid? So stand up if you want to eat the bar of soap or sit down if you'd like to drink the bottle of dishwasher liquid. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I'll definitely go the dishwasher liquid because it's just like it's going to be over quicker. <laughs> okay, stand up if you'd only want to ever now eat thick crust pizza or sit down if you'd prefer the thin crust. So forever, ever more. Ooh. <sighs> mm, it's a tough choice. I think I'd go thick. Okay, stand up if you would go a week without brushing your teeth and sit down if you would rather go a week without a shower or a bath. No, oh sorry, yeah. Um, stand up if you'd go in without the brushing your teeth and then sit yourself down if you'd go without the shower or the bath. Okay, note, look around the ones that haven't brushed their teeth, okay? I'd stay away from them. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, stand up if you would rather be lost in the jungle and sit down if you'd rather be lost in the desert. 
Wow. Some people would actually be lost in the desert. Okay. Interesting one, this one. Okay, stand up if you would meet Jesus, would rather meet Jesus for an hour or sit down if you'd want to travel with Paul for three days. Who's Paul in Acts who kind of went around on the missionary journeys? So if you'd rather, if stand up if you'd prefer to meet Jesus for an hour or travel with Paul for three weeks. Ooh, everyone's going for the meeting Jesus. Okay. Keep standing if you would rather dress like your parents and sit down if you would rather act like your parents. <laughs> I know it's a tough choice. <laughs> okay. And... The final one, okay? Would you rather, so stand up if you would rather sneeze for an hour and sit down if you would rather hiccup for an hour. Okay, if you all want to sit yourselves down. Now, I tried to do some research on choices um, on the internet to find out how many choices um, we make every day. Anyone got any idea of how many choices you think we might actually make every day? Yeah. Wow. That's quite impressive. Not sure it might be as high as that. Any other guesses? 356 million we've got? Oh, and seven. Sorry, I've got the seven choices. <laughs> yep. Any other choices? You, you're the only guys with your hands up. You're brave enough to do it. Around 50. You reckon 50 choices. Well, I couldn't actually find any answers on the internet. They wouldn't tell me how many choices there were because apparently no one's kind of tried to count up because they reckon it's impossible to count up how many choices we make. But actually, you know, we do. When you think about it, just think about today and think about how many choices you've probably made today. Think about have they been good choices? Have they been bad choices? There's probably choices that you've made that no one else knows anything about. And there's probably choices that you've made that actually will affect kind of other people around you. And we make so many choices during the day. And over the last few years, we've got so many more choices that we can have. But actually, it's the quality of the choices that we make that makes the difference. And that's why I want to speak to you tonight about compromise, because actually our choices are based on whether or not we're willing to compromise. So, so if we're going to compromise, some choices we might make might mean that we compromise and others won't. Now, we're going to watch a short DVD clip from the film Up, and if you have seen it, then um, it's just looking at their life and seeing about some of the choices that they made. The choices that we make have an impact on how we live the rest of our lives. And if we choose to compromise, then that will also have an impact on, on how we live the rest of our lives for God. And God doesn't want us to live a life of compromise. So he wants our choices to be his choices. So we're going to explore that a little bit more now. Um, first of all, I thought I would give you a little definition of compromise. Um, and the dictionary defines it as a settlement of differences in which each side makes concessions. Um, 
So you've got the two people, and sometimes they'll just give in to some of their demands to reach a compromise um, or a middle way between two extremes. Um, to reduce inequality or value, weaken or lower, and to expose or make liable to danger. Now, there are some times in our lives where we need compromise. Say, for instance, in our relationships and in like with our friends, at work, in marriage relationships, we need to have compromise in those relationships to make them work. But we're not really talking about that kind of sort of compromise tonight. What I want to talk about is more the other kind of three ways where we go this middle way between two extremes or we reduce in quality or value or kind of to expose and make liable to danger, which got me thinking about, well, actually, maybe we should be thinking more in terms of spiritual compromise and, um, and what would spiritual compromise be. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like, to turn, like you to turn to the person next to you and maybe have a think about a definition of how you would define what spiritual compromises so compromise that kind of makes us choose something perhaps that's not god's best for us you're thinking go okay i don't know what thoughts you might have come up with um but i kind of I went through a few different things before I came up with um, my final definition, which is, I have to say, my definition, um, because I really kind of started to think, well, is it something about not living to God's kind of best standard for ourselves and the fact that we kind of, when we compromise for God, we're kind of taking our eyes off God and putting them onto ourselves, and actually through that, we're not living to our full potential. So here's my final definition, which is to lose sight of God's best for us and to live for ourselves. I don't know whether that works for you, but um, it kind of just for me summed up that actually when we choose to compromise, actually we're losing sight of what God's best for us is and we're choosing to live for ourselves. And I was in the office the other day and so I was asking around in the office if you had to think of one person in the Bible who you would think actually, yep, I would remember them for their compromise, for actually they compromised what God's best for them was, who would it be? Anyone got any ideas? Have a shout out. Any names? Jonah. Okay, yep. Jonah compromised. David compromised. Yep. So I think we probably all know about David. Any other people? Who? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> See, it's always fatal, isn't it? Asking questions for people and they'll be like going, uh-huh. So um, I'm expecting one from Johnny Abbott any minute now. <laughs> it's like, okay. Anyone, any other names? Who? Sorry? Solomon, hey, you get the bonus prize because that was the most popular answer in the CYM office. So um, there's no there's no prize. I'm sorry, but <laughs> sorry, Adam and Eve. I suppose so. Yeah, there's endless examples really of people who compromised in the Bible, but um, Solomon was the one that kind of like a lot of people in the office kind of said that that was the person they would say actually if you're going to talk on compromise, Solomon was someone who had it all. And yet through his compromise, kind of threw it all away. So actually in terms of the lessons that we can learn through Solomon, he's the person we should take a look at tonight. So if you don't know much about Solomon, he was the third king of Israel around 970 BC. Um, He was David's son. Um, so King David and he was his son who took over the throne. Um, one thing you may not know about David, um, Solomon, which it says in the Bible in 2 Samuel, is that the Lord loved him. So when Solomon was born, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says the Lord loved the child and sent word that his name should be beloved of the Lord. 
So Solomon already, as soon as he was born, had something special about him, that, that God loved him um, and that God wanted him to be known as his beloved. Um, as he kind of grew up and as he became king, he was a fairly talented guy. Um, apparently he was a, botani- a botanist, a zoologist. Um, he was an architect. He built the temple. He built his palace. Um, he was a poet, a philosopher, a businessman and a military strategist. So he kind of had quite a good kind of like reputation for himself, um, lots of skills and gifts to use. When David died, he gave his son Solomon one command, and he said to him, take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. In the message, it kind of says, be strong, show what you're made of, do what God tells you, walk in the paths he shows you, follow the life map absolutely unfortunately that's not what Solomon did he, ha- he did though have one very good thing that he did um, which was at the beginning when asked by God because he was his special person what he wanted Solomon asked for wisdom and to know what was right and wrong in the message when it says he asked for wisdom it said he asked for God's listening heart And because he asked for that, he didn't ask for riches, he didn't ask for honor, he didn't ask for fame. He asked for wisdom because he knew, he said, I'm like a little child, I don't know how to govern these people, so I want wisdom, I want to know what what you want me to do with these people, God. So he asked for wisdom, and God gave him riches and honor, and he gave him the promise that he would be a king for life if he obeyed God, and that he would have a long life. So his start for Solomon was good. As the message kind of says, he says he started his reign really well. And there's loads of good things to remember about Solomon's reign. Um, He brought peace and prosperity to the country. Israel became a massive country and a massive power because of it. The kingdom was extended through all his military plans and and, uh, the things that he did. He also built God's temple and he built the palace. But it all started to go wrong for Solomon when compromise creeped into his life. And that's what we're going to look at now. And this is the one and only time you actually get to judge people, okay? Because I guess he's kind of dead, and we can look at his life, and we can judge how well he was. So there should be some scorecards coming around for you, and some pens. Hey-hey! And what I'm going to do is we are going to go through three areas of Solomon's life, and they all begin with W. So I reckon for that, I can be a Baptist. Is that okay? I've got my three alliterative points in. It's like, yes. So um, as your scorecards come round, you will see the three W's of Solomon's life, um, which are women, worship, and wealth. Um, And we're going to start with women. Okay, you'll just have to listen as your scorecards are coming around. But what I want you to do with your scorecards is you've got those three categories on there, um, as you will see them. As you listen, give Solomon a mark 1 to 10 on uh, how well you thought he did in this category, 0 to 1 being not very well and that he compromised a lot, and 10 being, no, he didn't compromise and he was brilliant, amazing. He did exactly what God asked him to do. So, for women, we have to go to the start of Solomon's reign as king. Um, And one of the first things he did was... He made an alliance with Pharaoh, and he married Pharaoh's daughter. 
Now, you could say that this was a very tactical move of him. It was something that they did in the Old Testament. They would marry women from other nations to make peace. Um, and so that's what Solomon was doing. Unfortunately, the Bible or, or the laws had told Solomon that that's something that he shouldn't do. He was told, they were told not to, the Israelites were told not to intermarry because of the reason that if they did, then actually their worship, the worship from the other nations would come in and they wouldn't worship God. So unfortunately, although Solomon thought what he was doing was a very good thing, actually he was starting the road to compromise. He was starting to slip into compromise because he'd let a foreign woman be married into his country um, and to bring her practices in. And as you probably know about Solomon, um, he did like his women. And he had over a 1,000 women, so he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Um, as the message put it, which I kind of quite liked, he was obsessed with women. Um, so, and yeah, and he married. So King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidom, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed his people not to intermarry with those nations because the women they married would lead them to worship their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. They led his heart away from the Lord. In his old age, they turned his heart to worship their gods instead of trusting only in God. The message again kind of put it, openly defied God. So in what he did there by marrying so many foreign women was that he defied God and compromised what he knew was best for him because actually he thought he knew best and that's what he wanted to do. And as we can see from that compromise, there was that one small step where he married that first, where he married Pharaoh's daughter, that first woman, to actually then being associated with a thousand other women. Um, and he'd kind of justified it in his mind because of the benefits he thought that compromise would bring. Um, and I'm no doubt it just got easier and easier to marry more and more foreign women for him and to compromise and to not live to God's standards for his life. So that's Solomon and his women. You can give him a mark out of 10 on that one. And then as we've kind of talked about already, worship, that actually because of the foreign women that came in, the worship wasn't purely for God anymore because all the other foreign gods were coming in, all their practices started to come into how they worshipped God. Now I have to say here, I'm going to stick up for the female race. We're not entirely to blame on this one. Um, you'll be pleased to know, girls. Um, because actually, at the beginning of Solomon's reign, he also chose that he was going to start worshipping um, in local shrines, in local places, on local altars. Um, they didn't have a temple, but actually God had told them not to do that because he knew that their worship wouldn't be 100% if they did it. So again, that's your worship side of things. You can give him a mark out of 10 on whether you felt like he did well in the worship or whether he compromised himself. And then finally, on the wealth. Now, he did well on the wealth side of things, as we've already said. You know, he's built temples, he's built palaces, um, he's got his kingdom all over. He's got himself a whole fleet of ships um, and chariots and horses. And I thought just for some of you that might be interested, um, in 1 Kings 10, it talks about um, his wealth and that he had 25 tons of gold, um, 200 large shields of gold, an ivory throne with gold, 
that kind of doesn't really do credit to the throne because um, apparently it had steps up to it and lines all around it. Um, so it was an amazing throne, apparently the best throne um, in, in the kingdom. Um, he had solid gold drinking cups. He had a fleet of trading ships. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. Anybody fancy that lot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, yeah. Um, and that's only a small glimpse of what Solomon actually had. The temple would have been magnificent. The palace would have been magnificent. Um, He just lived a life of luxury. Um, As we can see from his food for the, I think this was for a day. Um, If we just move on to the next slide. Um, 185 bushels of flour, um, which for anyone who wants to work it out, apparently a bushel is about 35 liters. Um, So, that's quite a lot of flour, 375 bushels of meal, um, 10 grain-fed cattle, 20 range cattle, and 100 sheep. Plus, there was probably a few kind of um, other animals, wild fowl and things thrown in um, as well. So there's a lot of food there um, and this life of luxury that Solomon chose to live. Now, God had said that he would bless him. And in Old Testament, prosperity, being prosperous and having wealth and having belongings was a sign that, that God was blessing you. But what happened with Solomon was that he abused that. Um, and he decided that he was going to force a lot of the foreign people to work, to labor, into forced labor. And the more money he got, the more he taxed people as well. Um, and also, um, with the um, chariots and the horses that he had. Apparently, um, if you kind of accumulate lots of chariots and horses in those times, it meant that actually what you were saying is that you were going to be an aggressive power and that you were there as a warlike person to be able to go into battle at any time you needed to. So it kind of showed that actually Solomon wasn't really wanting to trust God. He wanted to make sure that actually he had his chariots and his horses ready to go into battle if he had to. So again, You can give him your mark out of 10 on how you think he did in terms of compromise. And I think from Solomon, there are lots of lessons that we can learn about compromise. Um, I'm just going to run a few of them through now. Compromise is really easy. And as we saw with Solomon, it starts with one small step. Compromise can happen at any time, whether we're in a good place with God or a bad place with God. Solomon was in a great place with God, and yet actually he just, a few small steps took him into a place where God didn't want him. We'll try and justify it in our heads and in our hearts that actually what we're doing is right. Solomon justified marrying all those women from other countries because he thought it was right but actually it was against what God wanted. It can easily just become a normal part of our lives without noticing. It crept into Solomon's life, but by the end of his life, he hadn't realized just how far away from God he'd come. And actually when he was challenged on it, he wanted to live a life of sin and not be living for God at the end of it. It kind of resets our priorities and kind of um, upsets our judgment. We don't have a clear judgment when actually we've compromised ourselves and we're not living fully for God. And ultimately, it leads us out of being in a relationship with God. And it happens when we take the focus off God and onto ourselves and whatever is around us. And 
I'm sure like Solomon, and I'm sure you can think of times in your life, I know that I can think of times in my life um, when I've compromised, when I haven't lived for God's best. And I'm not sitting here kind of standing up here being perfect and saying I've never compromised because I know that I have, and I probably do it every single day. But when we compromise, we never set out to sin. I'm sure when you know when you've compromised, I'm sure you didn't wake up that morning thinking, I know what I'll do today. Um, No, it just sets in, it just creeps in that one easy little step. And before we know it, it's kind of taken over our hearts, taken over our heads, it's impaired our judgment. We're not living for God, we're living for ourselves. And we find ourselves in places that we shouldn't be not living for God. So... I thought it'd be good to have a think about how we stop compromise from being part of our lives. Um, And to help you remember, I've got some more R's for you, this time three R's. So first of all, it's about having a right relationship with God. And that actually, there are four things that I think we should need to do if we're going to say, actually, we don't want to be people of compromise. We want to live for God. First of all, we have to um, confess. We have to say sorry to God for those times where we know that we've compromised um, and we haven't lived for God's best. Not only that, though, but we need to reflect and look at our lives. Look at what motivated you to compromise. Look at what attitudes are in your heart. Look at what thoughts are going on in your head, what your actions are at that time. Now, I know that kind of I get home from each day and before I go to bed, I journal because I want to reflect on what I've done that day. And I want to say to myself and I want to be before God and I want to say, actually, what in my life today did I compromise on? What choice, whether it was a small choice or a big choice, what did I compromise on that I shouldn't have done? And then what do I learn from that? What am I going to do in my life to change that? How am I going to act to make sure that that doesn't happen again? That's not to say we have to do it all in our own strength. God will help us. But actually, there are certain things that we have to put in place in our lives so that compromise doesn't creep in like it creeped into Solomon's life. Then when we're in that right relationship with God, we can start to grow. And to do that, we need to know God. And we have to know God through his word. That's ultimately where we're going to get to know God. We need to read it, we need to hear it, we need to learn it and just soak it up so it becomes part of our life. So if we know that there's an area of compromise that we're struggling with that's hard in our lives, find stuff in the Bible to help you learn it so that actually when you face that situation, you know what God's word said. And then don't make this mistake Solomon did. Solomon knew God's word, Solomon knew the law, yet he still chose to compromise and actually we have to put it into practice. And the only way we're going to do that is by experiencing God and praying to God. Then you need to have the right people. And this is about choosing carefully who your friends are, who the people are you're going to spend time with, which Christians, which non-Christians are you going to spend your time with, and are they going to be the right people that are going to keep you on that path for God? Now, I have certain friends in my life who I know will speak openly and honestly to me if they think I'm going off on the wrong path, and they will tell me, and I will listen, maybe not very well, um, but I will listen Um, to them because I know that it's important to have people around me that will help me that will speak into my life so that actually because sometimes when we're compromising our lives we can't see what we're doing but people on the outside can see what we're doing and then finally to be in the right places and it's to take a look at your life where are you spending your time and are you spending it in the right places 
Are you spending it with God? Are you spending it in church? Are you spending it with your family? Are you spending it with friends that you know are going to keep you in that right place with God and not take you off on a path? Now, that's not to say you can't then choose your friends and think, oh, well, I'm not going to be with them. But actually, you know that you have to be strong enough to stay with those friends and know God well enough that actually you're not going to compromise yourself. I mean, Solomon chose to compromise on worshipping God in the wrong places, which meant he started to worship other gods and he lost his relationship with God. So make sure that you're in the right places. Now we're going to just finish up by having another kind of time of reflection for all of you. Um, But to finish is to say to yourself, when you're making choices, those hundreds, thousands of choices that we're making, it might not be possible to do it every single time, But I wonder what it would be like if every single time we made a choice, we asked the question, is this God's best for me? When we think about that definition I said of the spiritual compromise, actually, is this God's best for me? Should I be doing this? Shouldn't I be doing this? And then I think there's either two choices you have at that moment of time, and you either walk away from it. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we just have to walk away from whatever it is in our life that we're compromising. Joseph did it. Joseph, when he was with Potiphar's wife, just ran away because he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to compromise himself. But there are times where actually God will call us to face head on whatever that compromise is in our life and actually to know that we can face that with God because actually he's stronger than any of us and actually we we can do it we don't have to give in to compromise we can go through it and be stronger on the outside for it I know in times in my life where I compromised but actually facing it through and head-on has made me stronger as a person than running away from it but you can only do that if you know that you're in a right relationship with God that you're with the right people and that you're in the right places and doing the right thing by God and living for his best so You've got your scorecards in front of you. I'm going to ask the band if they could start coming back up again. What I want you to do is I just want to take you to take a little bit of time on your scorecard to think about how you're doing in terms of your life. What areas perhaps do you need to, to change in your life because actually you've chosen to compromise It might be a small area. It might be a big area. You might want to choose some of those areas that we spoke about, about Solomon, um, that relationships, are there relationships that you're choosing to compromise right now, that you're not living in a relationship that's God's best for you, or you're not in a relationship with a friend who you know isn't God's best, and and what are you going to do about that? Or maybe it's possessions, it's wealth. Are you compromising? Do you want more? Do Do you look around at other people and think, actually, I'd love that, or I want more of that? Or you know, maybe you're compromising in your giving to God, that actually you're holding on to your money, um, and actually God doesn't want you to compromise anymore. He wants the best for you. Or maybe, um, I've forgotten what the other W was, um, women, wealth, worship. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Maybe you're compromising in your worship to God. Maybe you're not giving him your 100% of worship. Maybe you're not in the right places where you need to be to worship God. So... The band are going to play. Um, Just take some time to score yourself on your compromise at this moment in time. But to know that actually, as we said with that definition, that this is about God wanting what's best for you, that he doesn't want you in areas that aren't good for you. He doesn't want you in places. He doesn't want you with people 
that are actually going to make you compromise. He wants you to be stronger and he wants that best. He wants you to live to your full potential. So he doesn't want any more compromise. He wants all of you.